Welcome to WMRE's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at WMRE. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. David, what's going on? So this week we have, we're, we're, I'm very excited to bring to the podcast, Colin Yasukochi, who is Executive Director from the Tech Insights Center at CBRE, because the great report that you guys do, the Scoring Tech Talent Report, um, this year's version just came out. So I'm excited to, to talk to you about that. So thank you for, for coming back on the podcast. No, it's great to be here, David. For the audience who may not have seen this report or maybe you haven't didn't listen to last year's episode, I, I thought you could just start real quick with just giving us, define what you mean by tech talent market and tell us a little bit about the, the history of this report. Okay. Yeah, so this is our actual our ninth annual scoring tech talent report. So we've been doing this report for quite some time and it certainly evolved from, from the first one. And what the report is really designed to do is to help inform workforce decisions and and understand how those decisions might influence real estate as um, employers, you know, move to different markets or open up additional facilities. But it's really more of a labor market analysis for Mm -hmm. technology workers across all industries, not just in the tech industry. So we primarily focus on 50 U.S. and Canadian markets. Um, in the report. And a market is generally the greater metropolitan area of a city. So that's kind of how we define a market. And as far as tech talent, so what by our definition, what we're really talking about are people who actually perform technical jobs. So in simple terms, it's what you do for your job, not where you work. So you could be a software developer at a bank, You could be a hardware engineer at a tech firm, or you could be a database administrator for a government agency. The tech talent is is really across all industries, although it is concentrated in tech where 40% of the tech workers are are employed. Yeah, I always thought that that's like a very interesting part of the report is that and, and possibly a misconception that you run into is that you're not just looking at like the Google, this is not just an analysis of like Google and Facebook. This is an analysis of the tech talent labor market across all industries. And so that makes it a, a, a kind of a fascinating look at the, the, you know, even how other industries are evolving or maybe expanding their talent base that fits your definition. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that. that you know, um, more and more companies are having are hiring uh, tech talent because all businesses are becoming more tech. So you said this is the, the I think you said the, the ninth time you've done this. You know, this obviously is coming at a, a fascinating time for all of us, given like everything that we've all been living through. So I'm wondering, like in specifically looking at this year's report and comparing it to, you know, some of these past years, what are some of the key highlights that you, that you want to shine, shine a spotlight on? Yeah, there's, there are so many, but you know, every year there, there's something new and interesting that kind of pops up in the report. One of the main things that we do in the report is rank each one of the 50 markets to determine you know, which ones are the most attractive to companies seeking to hire tech talent and also to the workers themselves who are seeking employment. And this year, our top five markets were the San Francisco Bay Area, which was number one in every report that we've done so far. And we had Seattle at number mm-hmm. two, followed by Washington, D.C., Toronto, and New York. And so those were the markets that uh, topped our, our list 
for tech talent. Um, what we also what we also found too is that the supply demand situation has become a little bit more balanced this year. Mm. Um, keeping in mind that there is still a shortage of tech talent, but as the pandemic has slowed down hiring of tech talent, the amount of supply from universities um, has not slowed down quite as much. And in fact, many of the universities are producing more tech degree graduates over you know, the last five or 10 years. So that's coming into, into greater balance. So that's one of the uh, takeaways that we had there, but markets that are still attracting talent for the jobs that they're creating are led by Toronto. That's probably our, our highest one. A lot of other Canadian markets as well. And Seattle is also one that's producing more jobs than they are local tech talent. One of the things we'll probably talk a little bit more about that we included in this year's report for the first time was around diversity. And we were able to look at the tech workforce and look at the breakdown by race, ethnicity, and male and female distributions. And generally there, what we found was that tech talent was mostly white, Asian, and male, and that Hispanic, Black, other non-white, non-Asian groups and females were underrepresented. So that's something that uh, was new this year. And we also looked at the cost. What is the cost to operate your business in each one of these 50 markets? And the San Francisco Bay Area, New York, and Seattle were the most expensive. And eight of the 10 lowest cost markets were in Canada. And the cheapest ones or the least, least cost ones in Canada were Waterloo, which is just outside of Toronto, Montreal, and Quebec City. And then sort of the final element of the report that we analyzed was what I consider more up-and-coming markets in North America. And there we found that uh, Dayton, Ohio, Huntsville, Alabama, Colorado Springs, those were our top three ranked U.S. and Canadian markets. And then in Latin America, it was Sao Paulo, Brazil, Mexico City, and Santiago, Chile. So kind of more forward-looking on, on what the next potential, like, really next growth areas could be. In, in terms of like those market rankings, were there any major shifts in, 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 your, in those lists? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, we always try to look at what are the major changes in those rankings year over year. And what we found this year is that there were three markets that really had significant upward movement. And that was led by the Los Angeles, Orange County region. So that moved up eight spots from last year to number nine. And that was the biggest gainer in our report. And that particular region has seen a you know, large growth in the amount of tech talent employed there, capitalizing on the media and entertainment industry, as that has become more tech focused with a lot of the streaming services, you know, establishing a presence there and tapping into the very large supply of tech degree graduates coming from universities in that region. So that was a, that was one of the, the biggest movers. We also saw Detroit and Calgary move up six places. Now they were still in the bottom half of the 50 markets at like 25 and 28 or somewhere around there, but they also saw some, some pretty strong growth. And there are some logical reasons for that with Detroit. 
you know, the automobile industry with electric vehicles and, and ultimately, you know, autonomous vehicles that a lot of growth in and around the auto industry is happening in Detroit. And so there's, there's more hiring going on there. And in Calgary, which, you know, you would think of as more of a uh, energy market, which is certainly the case, mm-hmm. um, it has a, a budding tech industry and a real strong focus on tech degree graduates from universities that are in the, in the Calgary area. So those are the three that really stuck out to me. Right. And, and interesting that it's different things driving in all those places. So like you said, as LA, it's kind of more media entertainment, Detroit, it's auto industry and Calgary is just general sort of tech interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, there's usually some logical connection to each of these markets yeah. why things are happening. So, I mean, the big que- a big question is, you know, given that we've been living in pandemic and, you know, we're coming out, obviously we're, we're in a much better phase of things now, but it still is kind of hung over everything for the past year. Um, and a big part of that was for many office-based jobs having, you know, increased flexibility, increased, uh, you know, either hybrid work or full remote work. Is that something that showed up in in here in terms of like the trajectory of certain markets or, or, or the labor market in general has, is the increased acceptance um, and flexibility of the office workforce having an effect at the market level? Yeah, there's a lot of things that we, we looked at and what sort of stood out was the fact that when we looked at job postings, that that number had increased pretty substantially in terms of the remote work opportunities because it was probably pre-pandemic maybe about, you know, 5% of the sort of tech talent jobs, um, you know, had remote work as an option there. And that number has jumped to 12 or 13%. So that's certainly an indication of acceptance by the employers themselves. And certainly the tech talent workforce itself continued to grow during the pandemic, although it grew a lot less than it did previously. So in 2020, we saw about a 1% growth in the tech talent uh, employment levels. And that was a decline from a little over 4% in 2019. So it certainly continued to grow, but the growth rate slowed down. But compared to Mm non-tech jobs, non-tech jobs in 2020 declined by 5.5%. So the positive growth in tech talent has kind of kept that market pretty competitive. And it represents how we all become more reliant on tech products and services, you know, like video conferencing, other online productivity tools, social media, streaming, you know, and of course, e-commerce. So those, those are things that have kept the market for tech talent relatively tight. And that's actually given them a little bit of leverage as it relates to requesting greater work flexibility, because as all of us were forced to work from home and, you know, getting used to that, we've formed habits, certainly. And as we've become accustomed to that, we found things that we like about working remotely or working from home. And we found things that, that we don't like, depending on your individual situation. And um, when we've done our own surveys and when we've looked at surveys by others, what we found was that 80% of the employees um, whose workplace is an office you know, have a desire to work remotely somewhere in the two to three 
days per week range. That's not to say that they don't want to return to their office because they also said that they do, but they want to return to their, their office less for individual kind of heads down type work, but mm-hmm. they want to return to their office to collaborate with their colleagues, you know, maybe meet with their customers and enjoy what work centers have to offer in terms of amenities and, and social activities. And then some people probably just want to be away from home. Yeah. Well, definitely that, that aligns with my own personal workflow as, as we've been emerging out of pandemic, which is still largely remote, but I, you know, now starting to go in the office a little more for team meetings and just some, sometimes I need a better internet connection, <laughs> things like, you know, just things like that. Yeah. But then there are, you know, like, and then a lot of our days where I'm doing the more just sitting down and you know, really want to just focus on writing or editing something, perfectly happy to just keep doing that at, at my home office now. Yeah. You know, the other thing I would add too is that, I mean, I really believe that remote work is going to continue to evolve in the future. I don't think that the final script has been written on remote work mm-hmm. and it may look a lot different a year from now. I can't tell you exactly what that will look like. I think once more people start returning to their office, even if that is part-time, we're going to get a better sense of, of what that remote situation is going to look like uh, probably, you know, toward the end of the year and into 2022. But I'll also say that, you know, we're not going back to way, the way things were pre-pandemic. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, another factor within that is while it's nice to be able to go into an office to do certain things, the commute still isn't that fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is definitely the case that commuting is, is certainly an issue. And that's a real big issue for transit dependent markets where people are still having aversion to, to getting on the trains. So just segueing a little bit here, as, as we established earlier, we're, we are not, just, you're not, I think it's made pretty clear where this report, we're talking about tech talent, isn't just talking about tech firms, but obviously those are a big source of this this kind of job growth. And you also did mention, you know, like in LA, media entertainment has been driving some of it and and Detroit, it's it's automotive. But I was curious, you know, in, in non-tech centric industries, do, have you noticed, you know, any accelerations in any particular kinds of industries recently in terms of, you know, a real push for incorporating tech talent into, into some of those uh, business lines? Yeah, so I think where we saw, you know, a lot of additional hiring in uh, 2020, because that's, that's kind of where our, our data is through, is in like financial and professional services, they added tech talent. Um, and also the, the government added, added more tech talent in 2020. So those are kind of three areas where we saw growth in tech talent in addition to the tech industry. And it's, it's interesting as, you know, many of the, of course, the, the financial and professional services are becoming more tech oriented and using it um, more extensively. And certainly, you know, the government potentially with cybersecurity and, and modernizing government that's created an additional need for tech. And you also mentioned reference this earlier, but I was wondering if you could talk a little more about it, but this idea that, okay, so there's some markets where there are more jobs being created than the, than, than the local talent base is mm-hmm. producing in order to fill those openings. And then there are other markets where there might be more, you know, or like the pace of talent being created is maybe outpacing the, the job opening. So um, 
just wondering if you can kind of talk a little bit more about that. I think you mentioned that Canada or Toronto might be the one of the biggest markets that's where there are there's an an over there's a lot more openings than than what the current market is able to to meet. And versus, I think New York on the other end had like is producing a lot more than than what the current job situation mm-hmm. is. Is that? Yeah. Correct me if I butcher that. And also, if you can, like, you know, uh, I think it's um, probably a good opportunity uh, to me to explain what that what that comparison is. So, what yeah. we call it is a it's a like a brain drain or a brain gain, and what it really is is a supply demand analysis of of the labor market for tech talent. And so, we look at the number of tech degree graduates in the last five years. That's the supply, and then we look at the number of tech jobs created over the last five years, and that's the demand. And what is the difference between the two? So if the difference is you have more jobs than you do degrees, then you have a brain gain because people had to move to that particular market to take those jobs. And the opposite is true if you have more tech degrees than jobs that those people had to leave to go seek employment elsewhere. So that's sort of the basic supply demand Mm -hmm. analysis that we looked at. And then what we found, again, was like Toronto and Seattle were the largest brain gain markets. Um, Others included on the top of that list were Montreal, Vancouver, and Charlotte, North Carolina. On the other end of the spectrum, we had a lot of markets that are very large in size and have a very high concentration of universities within their region. And so those markets, which we're trying to characterize as top education markets, And those are markets that Mm -hmm. produce a large supply of tech talent. They're good markets for tech employers to want to be in because there's there's a good supply. And every year, new graduates are entering the market. So it's good for growth. And those are like New York, Washington, D.C., Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles, and even Detroit kind of enters into that, that group of areas that are producing a lot of talent. Interesting. Uh, it's interesting that there are several Canadian markets that are so high on this list. Is there some fundamental dynamic why there's um, such a such more this demand that's outpacing the supply of of talent they're producing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I well, I think one of the key things there that uh, came out of our analysis um, several years ago is that when you look at the quality versus cost of tech talent, Canadian markets are probably the most value markets in terms of what you're getting for your dollar. So wage costs are substantially less in Canada than they are in the US. Mm. And the quality of talent is still pretty high. And so you've seen a lot of American tech companies grow very substantially in Canada, mostly like in Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Um, But there are some other smaller Canadian markets that are seeing pretty strong growth as well. So I think that's really what the play is there, that they have a good amount of tech talent. Also, the immigration policies are more favorable in Canada for tech talent to be able to work there. So all of those things combined has led to some pretty strong growth in Canada. Interesting. And then you also looked at, like you said, you're looking at some of these next, you know, the next tier of markets, the next 25, and that included... Mm -hmm looking through through the broader the, the broad americas in general in addition to what you just you mentioned earlier about dayton and i think some of the south american markets is there any other highlights from from that part of the report yeah i mean you know i mentioned sort of like our three 
top markets, Dayton, Huntsville, Colorado Springs. But we also have some other interesting markets. And again, there's always a logical connection to like Des Moines, Iowa, as an example. They have a lot of financial services and insurance companies that are there. And many of them have practices that are tech-oriented in those particular areas. It may not be you know, the type of innovation they're driving for in San Francisco Bay Area, but they can still find some pretty good quality uh, talent in those markets. And the cost obviously is, is substantially less. Tucson, Arizona is also another market that's pretty hot just outside of Phoenix, um, where a lot of tech companies have set up, set up shop in that particular market. And we've, there's obviously still some smaller Canadian markets on there as well. But um, it's some of those that we think are actually going to benefit as well from remote work. So as uh, employers can really right. open up the playing field, you know, across the U.S. and Canada and Latin America and, and really across the world if they, if they really wanted to, where they can tap into this talent that's, you know, geographically dispersed. Yeah, so just the increased flexibility of filling a role, not just where you are, but where the talent might be. Right. So, and you also mentioned that this year was the first time that you kind of drilled down um, and tried to take a look at the diversity of the tech talent market. Um, found that it's mo- that it's pretty that's still mostly white, Asian, and male. So, what's kind of the takeaway from that? Is there are there ways to address that, or is that just is that how, what, what, do we, what do we take from that information at this point and, and going forward? Yeah, so I think, you know, what we're able to do by looking at different categories of employment within each one of the markets. So we're able to look at what is the uh, race, ethnicity, and male-female breakdown across all employment. We looked at it by office using employment, which is essentially your you know, professional and business services and, and financial services. And then we're able to look at it for the tech industry itself and then for tech talent and compare, compare those things. And you know, it's been well documented that many of the tech industry's diversity numbers need improvement, especially for underrepresented groups. And, you know, those underrepresented groups, just to, just a repeat of what I said earlier, was it's Hispanic, Black, non-white, non-Asian, and female groups, that those are really what's underrepresented. So we tried to look at that and say, well, what markets are doing well in this particular area and, and which ones, you know, need more improvement than others? And so the... Part of how do you determine that um, was something that we, you know, thought a lot about and uh, settled on comparing tech talent to office using employment. So the office using employment was the benchmark number. And then we looked at, well, Mm -hmm. is tech talent better than that number or worse than that number? And that determined whether a market was more diverse or less diverse. So just using round numbers. So let's just say underrepresented groups were 20% of office using employment, and they were 25% of tech talent. That would mean that tech talent is more diverse than office using employment. And the opposite would be true if it were 15% as opposed to 20% for office using, then it would be 5% and we would minus 5% and we consider that less diverse. 
of a market. So that's kind of what we ended up doing. And at the U.S. level, office using employment for underrepresented groups was 26%. Tech talent was 20%. And then tech talent who worked for tech companies was 16%. And then females, it was, it was 51% for office using, 27 for tech talent and 22 for the tech industry. So you can see that there are some, some very significant differences, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It seems like something, that's something that's something that's also like eventually got to be addressed at the education level, not just at the, the hiring level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's another thing that we did look at in this report was what is the, what is the diversity of tech degree graduates? And, you know, what we found was that the tech degree graduates is becoming more diverse and it's growing pretty rapidly. In fact, over the last 10 years, the number of tech degree graduates has doubled. And the diversity as it relates to underrepresented groups has improved, albeit slowly. So if you do like a comparison of, you know, who's coming out of college and how does that compare to the um, existing tech talent workforce is what we found was that underrepresented groups who were recent tech graduates represented about 23.5%. And that compares to 20% for the existing tech talent workforce. So what that would tell you is that if all those uh, individuals got employed as in a tech talent role, uh, not all of them will necessarily, by either by choice or, or whatever reason, um, that would tell you that the diversity on that metric should improve, right? Because there's higher number of diverse talent coming out of college that should improve the numbers in the existing workforce. So were there any other pieces of the report that you wanted to, to highlight? One of the other things that we feel is a, a good use case for this report, their, their teams and where they want to establish maybe a, a new location. And for a variety of different reasons, if it's to diversify their workforce or to improve the diversity of their workforce, and the underlying reason is they want to go to where the good tech talent is being created by local universities. Sort of what that translates into for real estate investors is that with that underskits and in those same areas within markets, where it's going to be attractive to these tech employers, that's going to where the demand is going to be created. And it's not just for offices space, you know, it's for housing, retail, industrial, everything that you can think of that would be needed to be supported by growing employment base. You know, the real estate is certainly an aspect that needs to support that and where investors, I think, these trends. Last thing I wanted to throw out is you've given us a good overview of of everything and and some really great highlights. Where can people find the full report? Because this thing is, it's over a hundred pages. There's a lot of, a lot of great uh, information in it. Yeah, so it's on the CBRE website. So if you just did a search for scoring tech talent CBRE 2021, it should pop up on the top of your search list. All right. Well, I want to thank you so much again for coming back and talking about this year's report. And it's always great to have you on the on the podcast. Great. Thank you so much. I enjoyed our conversation. 
thank you for bringing them on the show. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Commentary Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your colleagues. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at WMRE, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back in two weeks for all the stories that matter to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WMRE or Informa. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.